covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is indeed time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for uh, taking some of your time. Uh, We don't all have a lot of free time, so for you to take some of yours and listen to the program, it means a lot. It seems like more and more people are uh, finding out about the program on an every week basis. If you ever want to have, if you have feedback for us, whether you want to comment a bit on uh, something that we talk about during the program, or you just have a general comment about uh, the podcast, feel free to tweet at me, Matt Pauly Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio, or you can always email me, matt.pauly at WTMJ.com. We have a fun program this week. Our social media conversation is with Gabe Stoltz from Disciples of Euchre. Uh, we are going to uh, go down on the farm, and uh, we're, gonna, we're changing things up just a bit. As opposed to having one of the minor league broadcasters on every single week, uh, every third week or so, we're going to take a step back and look at the entire minor league system and talk with somebody who uh, really follows uh, the system closely. And this week it's going to be uh, Brad Krause, formerly of uh, Miller Park Prospects, and he still does a lot, including uh, working as a photographer. His, you see his photos all over MILB.com. So he sees a lot of stuff, and uh, he'll join us coming up here in just a little while. We record this. On Sunday nights, we always give you the disclaimer. We try to make it as uh, really kind of generic as possible in the sense that you can listen to it throughout the course of the week, but uh, there will be references to uh, things that have happened recently, so do know that the record date is Sunday evening after the Brewers uh, lose to the Cubs but still end up going 4-2 and two on the road trip. We'll talk about that road trip more in a moment, but... The thing that everybody's talking about right now, what an interesting week. I mean, there's been so many major storylines, and the big story would have been different almost no matter what day we would have been recording this. But the the story that really captured the attention of Brewers fans going into Sunday was the Saturday rainout. There was rain in Chicago, and if they played through horrible rain on Friday. They had to delay it for a couple hours, but they played through just horrible conditions on Friday. And then you get to Saturday, and yes, there was rain throughout the morning, but a few hours before the game was even scheduled to play, the Chicago Cubs make the decision to rain the game out. Well, lo and behold, as all the weather forecast indicated, right around noon, the rain stopped, and it never returned. And you had a first pitch scheduled time of 120. The game could have been played. The game easily could have been played. Craig Council made a comment in his pregame uh, comments uh, before Sunday's game. That's the only time that they've had a rainout where guys had to be treated for sunburn. Obviously, he said that tongue in cheek, but the point was there was no reason to rain that game out. David Stearns, the club general manager met with the media prior to uh, Sunday's game. And he made it very clear that he was not happy that the team rained that game out. And he made that clear to the Chicago Cubs. Now, the way it works is, before first pitch, the club has 100% control on whether or not to play a game. After that first pitch is thrown, the decision goes to the crew chief of the umpires. So the Cubs made the decision that based off their forecast and their data that they were going to be unable to play that game. 
which was incorrect, and nobody can argue. That's the thing I kind of want to hear from the Cubs. I'd, I'd really just like to hear someone with the Cubs say, yeah, we made a mistake, but we haven't heard that yet. And it starts to make you think, why did this happen? Now, the insinuation from many people at the Brewers is the Cubs felt like they couldn't play the game. The Cubs, from a pitching standpoint, the, the bullpen was just too taxed to be able to play the game. Think about that for a second, by the way. The defending World Series champion Cubs. The team that's got seemingly an all-star at every single position. They're afraid. They're unable to handle a game against the Milwaukee Brewers? Huh? Are you kidding me? But that, that seems to be the case. And there, there's no other logical explanation. None. No other logical explanation. When Joe Madden was asked about it, he said, oh, he was in his apartment all day cleaning and taking a nap so he didn't even know the rain had stopped. Come on. I like Joe Madden. I think he's a really good manager. I like the quirky stuff he does, but come on. You knew the rain had stopped. There's more going on here. Um, I don't I don't think Major League Baseball can do anything about it. I just don't. Um, but... Maybe have a maybe they have a behind the scenes closed door conversation, but if it does one thing, it just adds to what's turning into an okay rivalry between the Cubs and the Brewers. I mean, you go back to last year and the Cubs played the Brewers or the Brewers played the Cubs really really tough in the second half of the season, and then you go into this year and it was the Cubs that was that they were throwing arrows at at Eric Thames and accusing him of using steroids. And now this weather situation comes down. It's it's odd. And there was something else that's kind of notable. There was a uh, WWE wrestling event in the Chicagoland area on Saturday night. And Eric Thames went. And the WWE had him sit in the front row. And he was sitting next to uh, one of the wrestlers. And I'm, I'm not a wrestling guy, so please uh, excuse my ignorance as I try to try to talk through this. But they had him sit next to, uh, to to one of the bad guys in wrestling, one of the heels. And he got a big, you know, everybody was booing him. Oh, somebody from the Brewers in Chicago with somebody in wrestling that they don't like. So it's all of this being said, the rain situation, the the Thames stuff from earlier in the year. And now, I mean, it's just it just adds to what's turning into uh, really a pretty darn good rivalry. Again, coming up on the podcast this week, we'll have uh, Gabe Stoltz from Disciples of Euchre. We'll have uh, Brad Krause to uh, really get an in-depth look at all things minor leagues in the Brewers system. But before we go any further, let's look back at the week that was with this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Yeah, a lot to get into. So the Brewers go 4-2 and two on the road trip. They take three out of four from San Diego in a series they probably should have swept. And then they split a rain-shortened two-game series with the Cubs. So after the action on Sunday, the Brewers continue to sit in first place in the National League Central. They are 25-19. and 19. They have a game-and-a-half lead on the Cardinals a two-game lead on the Cubs, a four-and-a-half game lead on the Reds, and a five-game lead on the Pirates. It just continued to show you 
that they play beyond expectations through this first month, month and a half of the season, uh, now almost two months of the season, and it's been fun to watch. The question's going to continue to be, is it sustainable? And nobody knows the answer to that. There's obviously some red flags, namely with starting pitching. Uh, but is it sustainable? We'll just have to wait and see. Ryan Braun on and off of the disabled list over the course of the week. He was activated on Sunday, drove in a run in Sunday's loss, but that was uh, about it. So now the Brewers do have their two, three, four hitters back in the lineup. Had it for the first time in a while with Thames, Braun, and then Shaw. However, Thames uh, during the week dealt with some sickness. He had strep throat got back into the lineup, but had to be removed from the game early on Sunday as his lower body started tightening up once again. And this continues to plague him. He, he talks about all the stretching that he has to do just to be able to get out there and play. I mean, he's built like a rock. He's got all kinds of muscles. Uh, but his body's having a hard time right now keeping up with the regimen of playing Major League Baseball. And this is a storyline to really watch going forward is if Thames is able to stay on the field on an everyday basis. There was some movement in pitching this week. Paulo Espino was called up to make a one start. He started the game against the Cubs on Friday. Went four innings, pitched okay in the four innings, kept them in the game, and they were eventually able to win, so that was good. Tyler Cravey, you got to almost feel bad for this guy at this point. He, of course, he got sent down after spring training, was very unhappy with it, uh, made some very pointed comments towards the organization where he felt like the organization had done him wrong. So the Brewers expecting to play the game on Saturday and after needing to use the bullpen uh, pretty heavily in Friday's game, they call Tyler Cravey up. Well, then you end up not playing the Saturday game. They needed Cravey's spot for Braun, so they sent him back down to Colorado Springs. So Cravey comes up to the big leagues and does not even appear in a game for the Brewers. He makes some money off it. You get more money when you're on the big league roster than when you're uh, down at AAA. But still, it's, uh, it's almost humorous in kind of a mean way that that happened. Uh, Jan Mourinhas, who had been uh, designated for assignment, he does not clear waivers. The Brewers were hoping to keep him in the organization and be able to get him down to AAA Colorado Springs. Instead, the Pittsburgh Pirates make a claim on him, so he is now a member of the Pirates. And all of a sudden, you look at the bullpens of both teams, and there's there's a lot of guys who had played for the other teams. Obviously, Mourinhas uh, with, uh, with the Pirates having played with the Brewers. You have Rob Scahill. Uh, with the Brewers, you have Jared Hughes with the Brewers, guys who had played with the Pirates. So there is uh, there's a lot of familiarity uh, between the two at this point in time. Junior Guerra seemingly has wrapped up his minor league rehab assignment. So he has made two separate starts. And it looks like he's going to be able to get back into the starting rotation. The Brewers have an off day Monday, so they don't need to get back to five players, uh, five pitchers, I should say, in the starting rotation here for a few days going into the week. And you look at what Junior Garrett did. He made his uh, first rehab appearance on May 15th. That was uh, this past Monday when uh, he pitched five innings for Double A Biloxi, gave up five runs, two earned on six hits, four strikeouts, three walks, and he threw 71 pitches, 40 of which went for strikes. Said he felt very good after that. He then goes to Triple A, 
and uh, pitching on the road. That's notable. Although at Albuquerque, which is a tough pitcher's ballpark, it's not Colorado Springs, but Albuquerque's still a a tough place to pitch. There's still altitude there. There's still a few other things. Uh, He pitches against uh, Albuquerque, goes six and a third, allowing four runs, three earned on 11 hits, six strikeouts, two walks, 91 pitches, 55 for strikes. So it looks like he's uh, pretty much stretched out, and uh, he is probably going to be back. His next start in all likelihood is going to be with Milwaukee and now the final headline of the week how about Eric Sogard he was the one who was called up when Ryan Braun got placed off the disabled list and what does Sogard do he just takes over the team through his first eight games he is 11 of 22 a 500 average He has two home runs and seven RBIs. He goes four for four in two separate games, both against San Diego. And there was the the deal with his daughter where his wife videotaped his daughter after uh, the Brewers had lost that series opener against San Diego. That's when Eric Sogard hits a home run in the top of the 10th to give the team the lead. She's crying. She's unhappy. And it's just the cutest thing you'll ever see. And... The video goes viral. The next day, the Padres bring his daughter cupcakes. I mean, it's just been a fantastic story. And Sogard has really played himself into a position on this team where you get the feeling he's probably going to be around for a while. And he's also a bit of an insurance policy because Jonathan VR is still struggling. And if VR doesn't get things going, and if Sogard can continue to play, you know, he's not going to keep up the, the numbers that he's putting up right now. But if he can if he can do something, you might see Sogard playing more at second, leading off more. Uh, Jonathan VR just really has not uh, not gotten going. And, and he, he shows signs on occasion. On Sunday he goes three for four. That raises his average from two oh seven to two twenty. But two twenty right now isn't cutting it for, for Jonathan VR. So maybe they found something, Eric Sogard. And don't forget, you know, Sogard missed all of last season with an injury. But Sogard's got a pretty good major league track record, having spent time uh, with the Oakland A's. So that is this week's Headlines of the Week. A very, very busy week for the Brewers. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. It is time for our social media conversation, and we get to bring in somebody uh, for the first time ever here on uh, Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. He is the the head honcho. He maintains uh, Disciples of Euchre. He is uh, Gabe Stoltz. Gabe, appreciate you taking some uh, time with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. Obviously, you would have liked to win today, but I mean... You'll take what you can get, I guess, against the Cubs, I guess. Yeah, a 4-2 and two road trip and splitting uh, what turned into a two-game series. Let's start with the fact that it was a two-game series. Uh, overshadowing the game uh, on Sunday, uh, we record this on uh, on Sunday night, but uh, over uh, overshadowing the game was, I guess, the weather gate where Saturday's rain out, and I say that in air quotes, uh, the, the Brewers with David Stearns and Craig Council, there was a major insinuation that the Cubs did that for competitive reasons. What say you in that whole situation? I mean, it's definitely fishy, I guess. I mean, you look at the Cubs, their bullpen has been 
worked a lot lately, and you just I remember getting the notification from the MLB at that uh, app, and I was just like, I just wondered to myself, whoa, they're calling it already? I mean, then, of course, you see the pictures being tweeted out of Chicago, and it's sunny, and you get the quotes from Craig Council about the first time the players have ever had to been be treated for sunburn <laughs> after a rain delay, and I mean, it, the whole situation just seems, uh, I've never really seen anything like it. It's... This whole rivalry, it's kind of odd because uh, you had the accusations towards Thames. Thames shows up at a WWE event sitting next to a kind of one of the bad guys in WWE for lack, you know, I can't really speak about it professionally. Uh, You have this situation with the Weathergate and Stearns and Council calling out the Cubs. Last year in the second half of the season, the Brewers played the Cubs really, really tough. Uh, To me, this, the, the rivalry seems to be really heating up once again. Would you agree? I agree, and you know what? I really enjoy it. Um, obviously, the Brewers are exceeding expectations, and when they do bring up the minor leaguers that they have in their farm system, I mean, in sports, you you want rivalries. Uh, the Brewers, of course, had the rivalries going back with St. Louis, and now, of course, with the Cubs, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, it's Sports are more fun when you play against teams at the – fan bases have something against each other and um i'm looking for i like it a lot and it's just a little weird though that the cubs are wanted to call the game yesterday and i mean it's just a little fishy though but i guess that's what you get in rivalries too but to your point Here's the Cubs, the defending World Series champions, huge payroll, all-stars at virtually every position. And it's almost like they're afraid of, you know, the 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 little baby brewers from uh from just north. Like it's 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 almost humorous the fact that seemingly the Cubs did were didn't want to play a game against the Brewers. Right. You'd think that the roles would be switched and where the Brewers would wouldn't want to face the Cubs, but I mean, as a Brewers fan, it just makes you happy to think that the Cubs wouldn't want to play the Brewers, especially after they're playing so hot after the road trip and beginning in San San Diego. And, I mean, really the last few weeks with this team, uh, they're playing quite well ahead of the the Cubs in the Central and still at the top of the Central. And, yeah, it's just fun to be in this, not in the underdog role, I guess, for once. Let's let's avoid the, you know, they're in first place. And... It'd be great if they continued in that position, but we know the talent of the Cubs. We we can look at this division mm-hmm. and see other teams. So let's put the first place stuff off to the side for a second and just focus in on how well the Brewers are playing, no matter what place they happen to be. How sustainable do you think it is uh, the way the Brewers are playing ball right now? Well, at the beginning of the year, I my prediction was that the Brewers would get 78 wins. And I think that they could be on the path to that. I also said, don't be surprised. I wasn't one of the people that just thought, oh, it's going to be another dumpster fire of a season. I thought that they could be in, it wouldn't be crazy for them to be in the second place wild card contention come late July, early August, say about four or five games out. Um, And whether it can be sustainable or not, it's it's going to be tough to sustain it. I mean, you look at the division they're in. You have St. Louis and Chicago, both season teams that have seen the postseason lately and in recent years. And 
they'll have to go up against one of those teams if they want to get the second place wild card. But I think it comes back to can this can the starting pitching get better and just get to the spot where they can be in contention. I mean, obviously a great start to the season, but uh, it's it's a long season. 162 games is a long time, and it's it's a lot of hard work to be sustainable of this recent success. Chase Anderson has pitched to a 7-plus ERA in the month of May. Jimmy Nelson has been pitching better recently. He's been up and down. Zach Davies had a slow start. He's been better uh, recently. Junior Guerra is going to be coming back. The only guy who's been consistent is incredibly Matt Garza. Is the is the starting pitching right now maybe the Achilles heel for this team that if it were start to go in the, in the wrong direction, you're maybe looking at that starting pitching as being the reason why? I would say... If I had to pin one thing on this Brewers team that would that's the biggest reason that they're they might struggle, I would definitely say the starting pitching. I mean, you look at the starters, they're averaging about five and a third innings of work and when you pitch that few innings you you're making your bullpen rely, pitch a lot more innings and just be taxed and uh yeah, the starters I think they have the about their ERA is about in the middle of the pack with the MLB and then MLB, but they also have the worst batting average is allowed. I think uh, last time I looked, and yeah, it's just it's it's funny because it started out with the bullpen, right, and then now it's back to the starting pitching. I mean, you had Feliz blowing a few saves and that all that, but now it's just sort of flip flop between the two. The bullpen has been better of late, but then you have the starting pitching uh, struggling, and I mean Zach Davies. In his last outing, that was the first time. I think that was the first time he's pitched. Uh, he's reached six innings yeah. mark. Mm-hmm. So, hypothetical situation for you, because this is what I'm hearing from from folks when I'm hosting on WTMJ all the time. They go into the month of July and they're still hanging around in contention. We we know they're not going to trade off any of the top prospects. David Stearns has made it very clear that he's not going to do anything to mortgage the future. But would you take, say, like a Michael Reed, who is a one of a million outfield prospects, and there's so many guys in front of him now, he's at double-A because uh, there, there, he, there's just no space for him at triple-A. Would you take a guy kind of in his class, not maybe specifically him, but with some of those lower-level top 30 prospects, would you be willing to dish off one of those guys to maybe get more of a, a middle-of-the-road average, but you know what you could get starting pitcher kind of guy that maybe you could slot as your number three starter? I would absolutely do that. Um, you don't want to be, especially at the, in the Brewers' shoes, they're, can, they're in the role they are right now, and they're exceeding expectations. You don't want to sell the farm when you're not even in real contention for a World Series. They might be in contention for a second-place wild card, but you want to save the big po- the big trade chips for when you are actually contending. Um, so, yeah, those fringe prospects would be the – if I were to make any move, um, those fringe prospects. And that for the most – you wouldn't trade a Michael Reed-esque player for the most glamorous starting pitcher or the most glamorous reliever because we we've seen – we saw last year just how commanding that – relief market was and the Brewers aren't going to be anywhere near where they have to pay the price of an Andrew Miller or anything like that. If anything, it would be, yeah, those fringe prospects, maybe a Clint Coulter-esque um, player like, or even going back to 2011, remember the Jerry Harrison deal. 
Um, just where, where they make a move like that, where they don't trade one of their best prospects at all, but just one of those players who's, like you said, just backed up, and there's plenty of uh, minor leaguers in front of him, and you know, you sort of know he's not going to be a key part of the future like some of the other prospects. We're talking with uh, Gabe Stoltz. He manages uh, Disciples of Euchre. We get a lot of the uh, DOU guys here. Actually, uh, coming up in just a bit, we're going to have uh, Brad Krause on, who's still got a loose affiliation uh, with uh, Disciples of Euchre. So uh, we, we, we love what they do um, over there. Willie Peralta gets sent to the bullpen uh, this week. He's had one appearance as we talk on Sunday night. Looked pretty good. Struck out five uh, in a in a two-inning outing. Do you like the potential of Peralta as a bullpen guy? I do. I mean, he was sort of struggling uh, in the starting rotation. He started off hot, but sort of simmered down. And with Junior Guerra set to come back in a matter of a few days or whatnot, you needed to make a move. And I think Willie was the right one. And, you know, with his velocity, I mean, every bullpen uh, pitcher, you want just the guy that can hurl the ball at 95-plus. And with Willie, you think, hey, that could be it valuable asset to have in the back of the bullpen and he showed it last time out against the Cubs um, just with his speed he can do a lot of things and yeah if he can sustain it that'd be great uh, you'd like to have that kind of an edge out in the bullpen where you can rely on a guy like him to come in and cl- have a shutdown inning Eric Thames had to be taken out of a game again on Sunday. He, When he was running down the first baseline, his legs just tightened up again, and that's something that he's been dealing with a lot over the last two weeks or so. In Korea, they didn't play quite as many games as they do uh, in, in Major League Baseball. Are you at all concerned that all of a sudden, after that great month of April, that in the month of May, Thames is having a hard time staying on the field? I mean... When you're not going to expect Eric Thames to continue the month he had hitting double-digit homers. I mean, that's just not human. But if I think I, I was listening to Council's comments earlier. He was more of a precautionary uh, course of action, taking him out there down uh, by five at the time, and they just didn't really want to risk anything. And, I mean, even with, the, with Thames out of the lineup, I mean, you look, he was absent from many of the games in San Diego, and they still found ways to win. They don't, they they have the long ball that helps their offense, um, one of the best in the major leagues when it comes to that, and they still can find ways to win, and that's something that about this Brewers team that I think we can all really appreciate. They don't have to rely on the the big balls to just win ball games. They can revert to small ball if they have to and sort of win any way possible. And the, uh, Ryan Braun said it when he went on the DL last week. He talked about the fact that uh, players numbers 26 through 40, so the guys that get called up to the big league team when there's a need, he thinks it's the best group that he's seen with the Brewers in his entire time here. And we saw Eric Sar- Sogard come up and just have an incredible first week. What does it say about this organization that they have been able to improve the depth so much that you know if a Thames is hurt, you have Aguilar and you got other guys you can call up. When when Sogard comes up, he can do what he's doing. I mean, this team just seems to have uh, guys to replace other guys at almost every position. Oh, it's great. You have to. It's just really the epitomizes the next guy up mentality. Sure, they might lose a Ryan Braun or an Eric Thames, but. 
I th- you you probably ask Craig Council if they have confidence to win the games, and of course they'll say yeah. It just shows the what the, the kind of character the guys have um, coming into the season as underdogs. They don't they don't think they're underdogs. They think they can win any games. And as a fan, that's the kind of mentality I want my team to have. Whatever, whether they're the worst team in the league or the best team in the league, if you have the belief that you can win the ball games, then. You can win the ball game. It's as simple as that. Um, confidence is key, especially in a sport as grueling as baseball and the major league schedule of 162 games. You need that to have success. Last thing for Gabe Stoltz, uh, your most recent piece over at Disciples of Euchre, uh, you took a look forward to uh, the draft that's going to be coming up relatively soon. You, you wrote this uh, earlier in the month just after uh, MLB.com had published a couple mock drafts with Jim Callis and, and Jonathan Mayo. Well, we don't have to get into the individuals. For, for most po- folks listening to this, the individuals don't quite matter yet. But with that number nine pick, what, what would you expect the Brewers, uh, what direction would you think they would go in this year? Well, it's really interesting when it comes to the draft. Um, I mean, you have the mentality of, well, with baseball and the MLB in particular, it's just you see these players, it's so hard for them to pan out to what you want them to. Um, you don't, it's not the same as the NBA or even the NFL. Baseball is the hardest sport to make it through the minor leagues. Uh, it's because there's so many levels and competition. Um, but yeah, you'd really like, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if one of the guys, I know we didn't want to get into individuals, but one of the guys I wrote was about Kevin Smith. He's a first baseman out of Virginia and he does have a hefty bat and one of the best college hitters in the draft. Um, whether it ain't, when you look at the Brewers farm system, that is one of the positions that they do lack talent in. Um, but we all know David Stern's mentality. He loves getting those versatile guys in the middle infield or even the outfielders. We all know we have a stacked farm system already. It'll be interesting to see if what kind of road Stern's and company takes, whether it's just do you go with the position that you on paper need to or do you just go with the best, the mentality of getting the best talent that's available, whether it be a pitcher, a middle infielder, or an outfielder. Uh, it's really a hard line to walk when it comes to the MLB draft. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to it. Before uh, before I let you go, give me a plug for what you guys have going on over at Disciples of Euchre. So much uh, so much great content coming out seemingly on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun time with the Brewers performing at the level they are. Um, you never want to ha- see them. The content's always better when the teams are playing better. So hopefully they keep it up and when they keep it up, we'll have more pieces coming out. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great time to be writing when they're playing so well. And you have it just opens the door for more uh, questions and uh, looking forward to the future. Will they be sellers, buyers, whatever it may be? Um, what kind of route the team will take? And let's hope it keeps up with this good play. Disciples of Euchre, DisciplesofEuchre.com on Twitter, at uh, Disciples Euchre. You can follow Gabe on Twitter, at uh, Stoltzy3, that's S-T-O-L-T-Z-Y-3. Gabe, appreciate you taking uh, some time with us, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon on the program. No problem, Matt. Thanks for having me on. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. 
It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. And it's time to uh, go down on the farm. And something we've been doing a little bit more often here in this segment. We'll continue to talk with all the various uh, team broadcasters. But uh, every few weeks or so, we kind of take a step back from the various team broadcasters and get a more uh, overall broad look at the entire uh, Brewers minor league system and bring in folks who uh, know all kinds of things about the system. And uh, right now we're going to join and be joined by uh, Brad Krause, formerly of uh, Miller Park Prospects. We'll get more into that in just a moment. But first, let's bring uh, Brad onto the program. Brad, appreciate your time. Uh, how uh, How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again, man. Yeah, we're glad to uh, be able to have you. And uh, let's start from the bottom up. We'll start uh, in Appleton with the uh, with the Timber Rattlers, and uh, they've been playing better baseball here here recently. And obviously, um, they've got uh, a number of prospects on the team. Just very general question before we get go any further. Uh, who have you maybe been most impressed with so far from the Timber Rattlers? Uh, the one guy that really jumps out to me is Mario Feliciano, uh, 18-year-old catcher. I did not expect him to do what he's been doing so far. I think he's hitting close to 300. Um, I was just out there today, actually, and he hit his, uh, I think it was his second home run of the year. Um, he's just been really impressive, both with the bat and behind the plate as well. I know he's been doing a lot more DHing lately, um, but he's the guy that stands out to me most, um, you know, as, as far as some of the other bats. Uh, Demi Armaloy, Monte Harrison, um, you know, a lot of the guys you'd expect, but Feliciano's the one that's really stood out with what he's done. Yeah, two home runs, now 21 RBIs. The 21 RBIs tied with uh, Tucker Newhouse for, uh, for the team lead. And as you mentioned, I've talked with Chris Marion about this guy a few times. He says that when you go out and watch him, and I haven't had the opportunity to get to Appleton yet to see a game, I hope to at some point, he said when you watch him, especially behind the plate, but really in everything he does, he doesn't look like he's an 18-year-old. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, with an 18-year-old, I've seen guys come through in the past. Uh, Cameron Garfield was pretty young when he was here. Uh, Clint Coulter, when they tried him at catcher. Uh, you know, you, you see they kind of are overmatched, and I kind of haven't really seen anything like that from Feliciano. He definitely looks the part and seems to be holding his own. It's a good story so far with what's going on with uh, Monte Harrison. He hit another home run on Sunday as well, his seventh. He's got uh, he's got 20 RBIs. It seems like now that he's healthy, he's certainly putting together a pretty good season. Yeah, absolutely, and that's always been the thing with him is health seems like the last two seasons when he, things have kind of started to click and he started to get going, the injuries have struck uh, the ankle a couple of years ago. I think it was a hammy last year. Um, it's kind of held him back. Um, but he was a guy that came in out of high school very raw, and you know it was going to take a little while with him. Uh, so you combine that with the injuries, I think we're kind of starting to see some of that click, and once he's healthy again, uh, we're kind of seeing the player that he can actually be. When we think of the Jason Rogers trade, we always think of Keon Broxton, but my goodness, Trey Supak was a big part of that trade as well, based off what he's been doing recently. Absolutely. That trade's looking more and more like a steal every day. Um, Supak's been great this year, uh, especially the strikeout numbers. I believe he's got 47 so far this year um, in 36 innings. Um, He's just, you know, every time out, not not walking guys, not putting runners on base. Uh, He's definitely been the top arm in that rotation. 
Timber Rattlers currently right at 500 through Sunday's action at 20 and 20. Let's jump up a level to a high A in the Mudcats, 23 and 20. That record might actually be a little disappointing based off all the talent that's on this team. Uh, my goodness. I mean, you go up and down, and it's it's just incredible what they have, really, from a, from a pitching standpoint, from a hitting standpoint. Let's start with Corbin Burns. He pitches again on Sunday. He drops his ERA to 1.00. I mean, has this guy through nine starts proven that uh, he can go ahead and dominate the Carolina League? <laughs> yeah, so far so good. He's looked excellent. Uh, you know, like you said again today, went out and tossed seven shutout innings. Uh, you know, he's got a, you know, kind of early in the year still yet, but uh, definitely when you talk about promotions and things like that, he's got to be at the top of the list. You see a lot of uh, relief pitchers start as starters and then eventually become relief pitchers. But uh, at Carolina, their closer, and, and Nate Greep, he is, he's a relief guy, and he's 3-0 and with a 1.59 ERA. He's 7-8 of in save opportunities. Does this guy project out uh, to be a, a high-leverage, back-of-the-bullpen kind of guy at the major league level? Um, you know, it's kind of hard to say as far as, as far as Greep goes. I saw him some last year here in Wisconsin. I uh, was the closer here, did an excellent job. Um, he's only, you know, kind of started the season splitting closer duties. Now he's kind of assumed that role. Um, but again, like you said, most of your relievers are going to be guys that start at the lower levels. Um, so he's kind of an interesting case. He's, he's always worked out a relief. Um, and again, another guy so far so good. You can't really argue with the results. Uh, you know, when he comes in, he kind of slams the door. Another guy with good strikeout numbers striking out a batter per inning so um you gotta like that it looks like Corey ray is finally really getting going he's got let's see five he has eight hits in his last five games he has hits in seven of his last eight he's got the average up to 258 which may not sound great but a week ago he's sitting at 229 so that's uh that that certainly is notable there had been some rumblings out there that if he didn't get things going, maybe you had to put him back at low A where he finished out the year last year with that postseason run for the Timber Rattlers. Uh, does it does it seem like to you that he finally kind of has found his way and he's uh, handling uh, things a little bit better there for the Mudcants? Yeah, definitely. And, and Ray's a guy that I'm a lot higher on than a lot of people seem to be. I know if you read some of the message boards and things like that, a lot of people weren't real happy with that draft pick. Um, but uh, from everything that I've seen from the guys that I've talked to when I was down in spring training, had a chance to talk with a couple guys from Baseball America. They just raved about him. Um, you know, a guy with all the tools can do everything. So I think the full start was probably more to do with the injury he was coming off of and the late start to the season. I think we're not, now we're starting to see him heat up a little bit. Jake Gatewood's a top 30 prospect, but he's not like – He's not one of those big, big names in the organization. We talk about you know so many, and he's down on the lower rungs of the top thirty. But this guy is just having an incredible season, um, and he continues to to just hit. Do you think he's opening eyes, maybe even within the organization, in terms of what his long term role could be uh, inside this organization? Yeah, definitely. There's been a lot written about Gatewood recently, and a lot of the adjustments he made in the off season. Um, the, the vision improvements he made with getting the, the glasses and um, seems to really have helped him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's a guy who's off to a great start to the year, definitely is going to jump up those prospect rankings if he continues at this rate. 
We are um, we're continuing to talk with uh, Brad Krause, formerly of Miller Park uh, Prospects. You'll see him in a few other places. Does uh, photography for uh, minor league baseball. We'll get to, to all that before we uh, call it a day. We're going to jump up to Double uh, A. Biloxi's playing some pretty good baseball recently. They're up to uh, twenty five and nineteen now. Uh, we knew this team would start to put things together. It seems like they're finally doing that now. Yeah, definitely. I think it was six wins in a row for them now. They've been hot lately, and uh, kind of what we expected to see out, you know, as the season started, they got off to a little bit of a slow start, but uh, now we're kind of starting to see the team that we expected there. Uh, from a, from a, just a looking at these guys and figuring out who's going to do what going forward, Mauricio Dubon's a relatively newcomer to the organization. And here he is hitting 308. He's leading the team in, in batting average. Uh, is he doing more, especially from an average standpoint, that maybe was even uh, expected when he was first uh, acquired? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I definitely think he's a legitimate prospect. I think the question with him, you know, at least in my mind, was always where is he going to fit in in the organization? Um, when I look a few years down the road, I see obviously Orlando Arcia at shortstop. Um, Isan Diaz, I think, is the second baseman of the future. So you don't really know where Dubon is going to fit, but I mean, that's a, a great problem to have. Um, again, he's been one of their hottest hitters lately, and uh, definitely a, a lot of hope for him in the future. So many guys are from a pitching perspective. Taylor Williams, .90 ERA. Nick Ramirez, 1.69. Bubba Derby, 1.72. Taylor Scott, 2.36. Uh, Matt Ramsey, 2.50. Just uh, five games so far for Preston Ganey, but uh, he has uh, yet to give up a run. Uh, of of those guys that I mentioned, what one or two guys, uh, and I didn't even mention Luis Ortiz, who actually was down there before his Sunday performance, and that bumped his ERA to 3.18. What guys at AA are you really impressed with from a pitching perspective? Um, Taylor Williams has been extremely impressive. I didn't really expect this with him you know, having not pitched for the last two years coming back off that Tommy John surgery. Uh, I didn't expect him to have these results. Um, you know, he's not worked real deep into games. I don't know if he's made it in, you know, three-plus innings perhaps. Um, but uh, definitely been impressive with what he's done. Um, and, you know, a lot of the starters, um, Jorge Lopez, Luis Ortiz, a lot of those guys have been impressive. Aaron Wilkerson doesn't get a lot of the publicity. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that could definitely be pitching at AAA. Um, I don't know whether that's a product of, you know, like like with Lopez where they wanted him, wanted to avoid having him at Colorado Springs, if maybe that's why he's at Biloxi. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of talent on that staff, uh, both in the rotation and in the bullpen. And finally, let's jump up to uh, AAA Colorado Springs. Uh, they've got the best record in the organization at 24-15. and 15. They're setting all kinds of new records in terms of uh, best starts in Colorado Springs uh, franchise history. And you can't talk about the Sky Sox without talking about Lewis Brinson. He's been a little bit banged up here over the last couple of days. But he just continued, kind of the same thing I said earlier about uh, uh, you know about a guy mastering a, a certain league. There doesn't seem to be much more for Lewis Brinson to have to accomplish inside of the Pacific Coast League. This has got to be a guy that, you know, once that Super 2 date passes and there's a logical opportunity for the Brewers to bring him up, uh, I would think that's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's a health issue with him so far. Um, like you said, he's been dinged up a couple times. I uh, had the, the pinky, I think it was a pinky injury early in the year. Um, I guess he took a pitch off the hands last night. Um, so, you know, that's kind of held him back a little bit. But when he's been on the field, he's been great. 
Um, you know, when you're seeing guys like Nick Franklin or, uh, you know, even Eric Sogard, as much as he's been hitting, uh, you know, he's definitely not an outfielder of the future. So when that outfield spot is available, um, you know, and Brinson, they feel is ready, you definitely got to figure he's going to be up in a hurry. What does it mean that they're playing Ryan Cordell at third base so much now? Uh, that's a good question. There's a, a lot of talented outfielders on that roster, and there's only so many at-bats to go around. So, I mean, you know, you look, you got Brinson, who we mentioned already. There's Brett Phillips. Um, Kyle Wren's been having a great season. Uh, and then they brought Newenheist down as well. Um, so, you know, you have to find a bat somewhere, and playing him at third base increases that versatility, which is definitely something that the Brewers have shown that they like. After Brett Phillips had really t- kind of taken a step back, uh, having to to go back through Double A next last year, when a lot of people thought he would be at Triple A last year, is it almost a relief to see him putting up the numbers he's putting up? I mean, nine home runs, thirty three RBIs. These are these are big numbers being put up by Phillips. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you kind of wonder how much of that is adjustments, how much of that is playing in Colorado Springs. I know the home run he had last night was, I think it was last night, wasn't inside the Parker. Um, but, uh, yeah, nine home runs already this year. Uh, he's hitting just under 300. Um, definitely off to a great start. Uh, he'd like to see the, the strikeout numbers come down. I believe he's leading the team in strikeouts. Um, but, uh, you know, as long as he can limit those strikeouts, I think the sky's the limit for him. Where does Garrett, we talk about all these prospects and these outfitters. Where does Garrett Cooper end up in all this? I mean, this guy's killing it through Sunday, 331, seven home runs, 38 RBIs, uh, putting up huge numbers, and maybe he wasn't the most talked about in that most talked about group of prospects going into the year. Yeah, I mean, he, he falls in the category of a great problem to have, um, you know, there's really nowhere for him to go from here. Uh, you know, you have Thames and Aguilar blocking him. Um, so he might be a guy that they eventually, if they stay in it, um, might trade him to pick something else up. Um, but power numbers, again, were up, you know, more than more than anything he's done in his career before his injury. Um, you know, the average is great. I know he's tops, if not one of the top ones on the team. Um, so <laughs> it's tough to say what they're going to do with him because there's really nowhere for him to play beyond Colorado Springs. He's, he's kind of blocked there. They've tried him in the past at third base. They've tried him in the outfield. Seems pretty limited to first base. Uh, so, you know, barring a couple of injuries, I, I don't really know what you can do with him there. We're talking with uh, Brad Krause starting to uh, wrap up. And you've read a lot of Brad uh, over at Miller Park Prospects, which is at a just a fantastic run. They've done the prospect book every year. It's been it's been a lot of fun. And you know, one of the reasons I, I love talking with the different um, writers and, and even creators of websites here on the podcast because there's so many people who have great opinions on the Brewers and on prospects and everything. And it's a it's a labor of love for what they do with all these online projects. And and Brad, don't want to lament too long, but uh, certainly uh, we, we saw Miller Park prospects uh, come to an end here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I got to think I, I can tell you this: you you should be proud of uh, of what you did. And I know people are still going to be able to uh, see you out on the out on the web uh, in various places going forward. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, something we kind of, you know, we've been doing it for eight years. This was our ninth season with the website. Uh, when we started back in 2009, there wasn't nearly as much coverage as there is out there today. Um, you know, there was some places like Brevard County, there was nothing at all. Uh, you know, the Biloxi team was in Huntsville. They were kind of moving. There wasn't a lot of coverage there. Um, so that's kind of 
what gave us a voice and we, we were able to, to cover some things that weren't being covered. Now in this day and age, um, like I said in our farewell post, unless you're planning on going to the Dominican Republic for three months to cover the DSL, there's not really a whole lot of untouched subjects out there. Um, so we just kind of saw that the, the day-to-day was getting to be a little bit of a grind and, um, you know, everything that we were covering was covered by the numerous other sites out there. And there's a lot of great brewers coverage, a lot of great prospect coverage out there. Um, so definitely places you can find the information. We just kind of decided it was time for us to, to wrap it up and end our run. And again, you'll be able to catch Brad in some various places doing doing some things. And Brad, I don't want to get you out of here before uh, we we don't mention the photography because one of the reasons you're you're so close and know what's going on with the minor league system so much is you get a chance to see so many of the guys. Uh, can can you kind of explain uh, everything that you do? And I mean, your photos are are popping up over at milb.com, and, and you really you get to see these guys up close a lot. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of what got me interested in, in the prospects and whatnot in the first place. Um, it's something I've been doing for years. Uh, I shoot for a company, Four Seam Images, and then they deal with a lot of other companies. Um, through them, have stuff published on, like you mentioned, MILB.com, um, ESPN.com, a lot of the trading cards, things like that. Uh, so definitely still going to be involved from that end. Um, you'll still see my photos around the web. Probably still do a little bit of writing as well. Um, we'll chime in over on brewerfan.net and some of the other sites as well. Uh, but uh, definitely been a great time covering the Brewers and their prospects. Uh, still a hardcore Brewer fan. Still be following the minor leagues very closely. All right, Brad. Great stuff. And uh, we'll find reasons to continue to get you on. You're, you're a great resource to us here at Brewers Externings, uh, the podcast. So uh, thanks again so much for your time. All right, thanks, Matt. That was Brad Krause joining us here uh, on the program. And, again, uh, a nod to him and uh, and everybody associated uh, there at Miller Park Prospects. It comes to an end, but we'll still see uh, more of Brad writing at some various places. And uh, they put together a heck of a job. And, by the way, a... a uh, a call out to all the other social media sites that maybe uh, cover the Brewers minor league system. Every year, Miller Park Prospects put together just this fantastic prospect handbook that was really well done. I'd love to see one of the other uh, sites out there pick that up. So just throwing that out there as a uh, as a project maybe for another one of the websites out there to uh, to put together because it was a it was a really great resource. Again, I spent. Uh, time working in minor league baseball and I was uh, with the Colorado Springs Sky Sox during the Brewers first year there and having that book was something that was uh, was 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 very helpful uh, and it's been something that's been uh, pretty good ever since. Alright, that is it for uh, the program. Let's go ahead and uh, tell you what's going to be happening over the course of this week. Uh, Monday is an off day for the Brewers. They will then begin a homestand on Tuesday. It does start with two games against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they had played in Toronto earlier this year where they played well. Now they get the Blue Jays for two games, Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday is a 6:40 first pitch. Wednesday is a 12:10 first pitch. And then the Diamondbacks come in for a four-game set starting on Thursday. Thursday and Friday start at 7:10. Saturday at 3:10. Sunday at 1:10. And you can, of course, hear all of those games on 620 WTMJ. That's it for the program. Thanks again to our guest this week, uh, Gabe Stoltz from Disciples of Euchre, and uh, also Brad Krause for uh, joining us here just a moment ago or so. We look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered 
by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.